this is Michael and this is another episode of the Chess Club Live podcast. Um, Chess Thoughts of Michael McPaddy, the co-founder of Chess Club Live. Um, I'm speaking to you outside on a sunny day. Um, You can probably hear the background noise. Um, Let's try something slightly different. Um, In my reflections today, um, I'm in the sunny city of Leeds, not always sunny, but it's always Leeds. It's been my home for as long as I can remember, and it's where I've um, won um, a few uh, chess events, uh, national chess events, um, namely the Rapid um, Chess Championship amateur title that I won in uh, the, the late 90s. Um, so lots of good memories um, and I, I talked to you um, after the world has marked a rather big milestone with uh, the Chess Olympiad, online Chess Olympiad. Um, all those countries that participated, um, all those teams that came together to mark this event um, it's actually an amazing thing. Um, if you think about it, 2020 was supposed to be a write-off. Candidates suspended. Magnus Carlsen will probably not be challenged this year. And yet, people came together to play an event. So, all in all, um, it's a marvellous way to um, to show that chess can still go on regardless of um, all of the um, issues we're having but having said that the event was marred by uh, the unfortunate um, connections issues that a lot of the participants had any of you who play regularly on online chess um, servers know that disconnection um, and what we call lag, which is delay in um, the communications between our computer and the chess website or server are just par for the course. They happen anyway, even at the best of times. And unfortunately for us, there was a massive outage um, that was impacting um, routers and internet um, service providers all over the world. Um, And additionally, um, the FIDE Olympiad that was hosted by Chess.com did not have um, at least in my reckoning, um, a decent uh, time um, anti-lagging management software or service. Um, It couldn't couldn't have prevented all of the issues, but it it would have prevented a lot of them where someone got disconnected and it was deemed to have not been due to their delay in making moves. 
due to the server, the lag in the server, and a lag could be an um, for a certain number of milliseconds, or it could be just an in, an undefined amount specified time, and you've just not got um, a, a ping. What we call a ping come back from that person's um, you know device um, wherever they're playing with their laptop or on their desktop. And it's, it's relatively easy to create software that just checks for those pings. And where there's no ping, it just uh, suspends the clock and restarts when they join. And you can set a certain amount of timeout where after, if they've not um, come back after, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it may be, according to the rules, then they forfeit. You don't forfeit them because of an immediate disconnection, because um, otherwise that's that's the online chess equivalent of just tossing a coin. Because anyone could disconnect at any time, um, so it uh, it's really disappointing that this is the way a lot of the matches were decided. I mean, there's two celebrated examples of this, but there are others. Um, so I'll start with the others. Um, Paco, um, as we all fondly um, refer to him, uh, who plays for Spain, um, Valerio Pons, um, he was um, playing a game um, and he had seven seconds left and disconnected. He was actually winning um, and defaulted. They defaulted him because of the disconnection. Um, so that was one example, and Spain failed to qualify because of that. I've just, I actually just before I recorded this, I, I read that um, on a on a Facebook group, um, and and he was very very um, upset by that. And why shouldn't he be? Because um, Spain's chances were directly linked to that disconnection. Um, Levon Aronian um, was also appealing to. Um, the FIDE authorities as to why they defaulted Armenia um, in their game against India. Um, they defaulted them on a board and then um, they had to essentially um, restart um, the second um, match but they wanted to restart the game. They wanted to restart the game instead of just continuing. And um, that, that impacted them. Um, and then rather ironically, in the next match, the same situation or almost the same situation occurred with India, who benefited from having uh, the, the Armenian um, disconnection counting as a forfeit. Um, and they had two players disconnect and those players' games were deemed as um, indeterminate and they were given the um, the gold along with Russia, um, who had every chance of um, winning outright. And so did India, in, in a sense. Um, both, both teams had um, a chance of winning outright. So my question is this, when does a decision become a non-decision? When do we decide that participation 
is so um, over overegged and overrated that actual competition and winning and sportsmanship and fair play doesn't come into the equation. We're more interested in in just avoiding avoiding the decision, avoiding the conflict. Conflict is not bad. Conflict is necessary in life um, to resolve issues. Uh, violence is not necessary. Violence is bad. Conflict, which is the resolution of differing views, of differing positions, in order to get a decision, a way forward. Why do we always defer this in the chess world? What makes us think that having two co-champions, two Olympiad co-champions sharing gold is better than having one where a decision that's been made on other teams that led up to that final was not followed and in, in a sense they were all cheated out of um, their chance. That's what I really ask, I'm asking myself today and asking my listeners what do you think? Do you think that it was better or did you think that it actually diminished the competition made as a laughing stock? Um, I'd be interested to know and you could drop me a voicemail or post um, on the usual places. Um, so we've just been hit by this um, kind of fiasco really and it's what everyone seems to be talking about nobody's talking about the celebration of chess that the Olympiad was Um, nobody incidentally is talking about the kind of tokenism that happened with um, the the, um, female participants um, not being fully um, represented like the male participants were it just seemed that um, there was a certain certain amount of tokenization there. Um, let's have some female participants instead of making the same number of female and male participants like you would have in a, a normal Olympiad. Um, I, I, I think there were many things to take away from this. Um, FIDE definitely have to look at the way they organize events um, I look back at the candidates and I see something similar. Um, the unfairness of um, Timur Rajabov being excluded from the FIDE candidates when he had um, reservations about putting his, his life and his health um, and that of his family and his fellow um, participants um, at risk because of what he saw as, um, you know, an increasing uh, issue with uh, COVID-19. And it transpired to be true. Now, even before it transpired to be true, FIDE ruled out of hand um, his uh, actions and um, put Maxime Vichet-Lagrave as the replacement. Um, now, that was great for MVL, um, but was it good for chess? I don't think so. I think we've lost out in the same way we've lost out in the Olympiad. 
that um, you should respect people's right to protect themselves and what they deem as a risk to themselves um, and not penalise them. And even now, after we know that Timor was right to pull out because subsequently everyone else uh, had to suspend the play because of um, the risks um, and the shutdown of the entire country. Um, it was hosted in Russia at the time and they closed the borders and they were just able to get the foreign players out before they closed the borders and the airline stopped um, flying. Why should Timor be penalised for this? Why should Armenia be penalised also for um, their disconnection? Why should Paco be penalised for disconnecting when it was not his fault and he was seven seconds um, to the good in terms of uh, his time and his position was was a really good one and healthy one um, why do, do all these um, injustices get excused just for the um, reason that we have a decision made what what is it about making a decision a bad decision that makes us feel that we've succeeded in whatever we think we're doing maybe it's due to the kind of random um fables we get told in chess we're told um any plan even a bad plan is better than no plan does that mean making a non-decision is the equivalent of making a plan i beg to differ i think that what we do is we shirk our responsibilities we do this when it comes to decisions made about events in tournaments we do this when it comes to what we see as injustices of players who are excluded or included um, at the expense of other players. So we, we do this all the time. Um, we do this when you see people who should be rewarded for something, um, who don't get rewarded for that at all. They get ostracized sometimes, um, even abused. Um, for speaking out about the injustice. Um, give you an example. Um, Gatakamsky was doing um, a stream, I think it was a banter blitz for Chess 24, and he uttered the, the now infamous words, famous F legend FFL and that became instantly a, a classic quote um, and instead of Chess24 going okay this is really cool um, you know let's market this you know what's your cut um, you know can we can we use it pay royalties whatever fix some all the things you normally do in these situations they just literally 
um, put it on a mug. And the first time he knew about it was when he saw it on the mug that they were selling. Now, okay, the stream was paid by them and he was providing a service. Um, you know, he is a professional grandmaster and that is his line of work. But if he has some um, expression of... Um, quotation and a quotation an expression of that quotation and an um, expression of his copyright um, he should still be given that respect he uttered those words they were not scripted and it did not seem to make sense that he was cut out of that just as it doesn't make sense that numerous people in the chess world have been cut out of what you would consider to be their copyright and their their innovation look at an example of kenneth harkness now kenneth harkness was an official back in the um 50s 60s um and 70s um in the u.s chess federation he's well-known character just on the basis of be of being part of the u.s chess chess federation um but he had a really good idea and his idea was why don't we rank um chess players based on their performance every game they play let's take a number of points add it to a score and then at the end of a period of time we can tot up all the scores and find out who's the ostensibly best player and we can do this all around the country. Oh, we can even base titles on these and so on. That idea sounds a lot like what we know now as ELO. And it was ELO. What then happened is they began this um, rating system or way of ranking the players. And then a mathematician, namely Arpad ELO, came along and said, well, hang on, there's, there's a better way of doing this. It's a... You know, we can use the um, approximation to the normal distribution and we can have these K-factors which give it a damping um, um, or uh, a more fairer distribution of those um, adjustments per game and all of the maths that came out of that. That's the equivalent of, of saying that um, the maths that was done... Um, for the um, for Einstein's um, general relativity and special relative relativity, which um, was refined by another mathematician, um, or that anyone who put together his um, thoughts um, and his theories and uh, put them in a book and maybe edited that. Is responsible and is the author of 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 Albert Einstein's ideas. That's ridiculous. Nobody would say that. Um, so why does it become okay to take someone's ideas? I have a personal um, example of this. In that, um, it's over twelve years ago. Um, I had um, a vision of a. Um, 
chess feature which could test someone in a rapid fire way um, and that developed into a complete system where you just start playing it and it grades you it suggests improvement it tells you which areas that you're weak in and strong in um, and a whole myriad of other stuff that reporting that comes out of it but the key thing was it was a complete end-to-end system that took someone who was performing maybe not so well and made them consistent um, in at whatever level that they chose to go to and that app that I created called Chessmaster Cube really worked and it was really to my eternal shock and disappointment that chess.com decided to take this and um, create an app for themselves without giving me credit even though I know that before they released this app before they um, developed the final version of this app they saw my app in all its glory because I sent it to Danny Wrench as in Daniel Wrench the chief chess officer of chess.com and he had full view of this um, from a competition he was judging um, called my chess poker game and that I had submitted an entry to now do I regret submitting that entry no I don't because um, subsequently um, a clone of my app is now one of the most popular if not the most popular chess puzzle app ever made um, and I've always got that at least privately knowing that that's happened um, I know of an author um, his name's Charlie Story who created um, a new chess opening um, and that his work was just taken from him um, and he has almost no way of, of getting that back it was just taken um, I could give you many many examples of this so coming back to the Olympiad I think what we're seeing is the patent unfairness that rules the chess world that if you are not um, in the in the group of people who are deemed to be the ones to benefit from a certain situation, then you just don't get anywhere. Um, I know this because um, I've been in the I've been in this situation. I've been running a chess uh, community now for a long time, and. Uh, I've collaborated with lots of people, including Chess.com. Eric Orbest, their CEO, has been a friend um, for, for a while. He was Skyping me um, on a regular basis and was an editor of my Facebook page. Um, and I know that he posted something when he was having a, a few problems with his staff. I mean, there was a, a minor staff revolt. Um, some things were said by staff as in there wasn't enough revenue sharing in chess.com and he had he wanted a right of reply he couldn't get one on his own website so he came to my page and um, had that right of reply and uh, 
that was those were interesting times um and uh um i know that um there were a lot of people who were editors of my page who've benefited um but i haven't benefited i haven't even been given the credit of having helped help them in any way um i know that Chess24 used my site a lot to um, build up their fan base. Um, in particular, I know that um, one of my editors, who was the co-founder of uh, a site called Chess Live, um, was it, it was taken um, by uh, Chess24. Um, they bought it. Um, and all of the users who were, um, I would say, a lot were from um, my my page um, were essentially um, bought by chess twenty four and um, the co-founder of, of chess live took all the uh, financial benefits of that um, and gave me nothing um, which is what it is but what hurt wasn't that he didn't share um the 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 love in terms of um him getting acquired and then making some profit i mean it's his brand and he could do with it what he wants it's the fact that after doing that there was no no there wasn't even a goodbye there was nothing said at all um the a, a decision was made uh, which essentially skipped um informing me of uh, of what what i was uh, what i thought should be um just a, a a really nice goodbye and to a friend um and i just found out that he'd been acquired by chess 24 and a couple of weeks later when um he hadn't answered a few messages and i saw him posting on behalf of of chess 24 um, Chess.com have done similar things um, where they've taken innovations and, and not given credits. Look at what they've done with the their um, tournament arena. So the tournament arena is, is like a format that was innovated by Lee Chess and Chess.com have literally copied that and not um, essentially given a donation as they could have done or it, you know given any credit in any real sense um to leeches for having copied their idea why is it okay to make these non-decisions you know you just you don't do the right thing you just leave it you don't you don't tell india that they forfeited on time like you told armenia you just leave it. You say they've shared it. It's an indeterminate result for two games. You just leave it. You you just you just take Puzzle Rush. Yeah, you just copy someone's app and take Puzzle Rush and you leave it. You don't put the small print. It was created by Michael McPaddy. Or modified from um, a template created by Michael McPaddy. You don't think that I deserve to be um, given that credit or that my family who spent years watching me slaving over um, an app which ultimately became successful 
deserve to know that their daddy um, and husband did something that was actually worthwhile to some people. This is uh, something that needs to be resolved. Why should Charlie's story um, be denied his place in the sun? You know, why should people just take that away from him? Why should Paco be not allowed to participate in the Olympiad? Because um, he he had a server connection that disconnected and that wasn't his fault. Why should Timo Rajabov be told that he can't join the FIDE candidates? Why? Because he wanted to save his own life, preserve it, and he wanted to keep other people safe. Why is it okay to make these injustices and claim that they're just? Why is it okay for me, a black man, who has created something of value in the chess world, not to be able to stand in front of other black men and women and say that just because you're black and just because you happen to be interested in chess, doesn't mean that your contribution cannot be known and celebrated. Chess.com have taken that away from me. They have. They've literally taken that away. And they've done it by doing absolutely nothing, by making non-decisions. Even their implementation of Puzzle Rush was shockingly bad. You know, it was roundly criticised for how... They started it um, and they didn't even test it. Well, if you copied something, you wouldn't really test it because you haven't developed it from scratch. You haven't, you haven't tested the idea. You've just literally copied someone's own idea and then filled in the blanks, which isn't really how you build things in, in the real software engineering professional world, which I'm used to. So... There's a lot of disparate topics that I've covered there, but I think there's one theme, and that theme that puts them all together is the lack of justice, the lack of consistency when decisions and scenarios are met with in the chess world and the the silence that happens. For instance, now, or at least the silence that used to happen, or at least now we are seeing people coming out and talking about these things. The high-profile Russian players who are saying, this wasn't right. And Danny, Daniel Dubov is one of the, 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 the ones that has talked very openly about this. He's almost saying it would have been better for India to have won than for them to have done what they did and create co-champions, which is a non-decision. Um, Alexandra Kusnio come out and said that India winning a share of the um, Olympiad as co-champions isn't the same as them actually winning. Um, Ian Nipomniachi has also come out and said 
that he feels the decision was wrong. It's really good that these players are coming out and speaking about this injustice. And I'm going to come out and say that if you apply a rule to one country and you don't apply it to another country, it's wrong, it's cheating. It's cheating chess, it's cheating each of those countries, whether they benefited from it or not. If you choose not to apply rules while other company countries uh, are playing, um, then it's it's wrong. It really is. It's it's like you choose to apply a rule for certain high level games with certain high level countries, and then the others you just let the fate. You know, they're just left to the machinations of the chess.com infrastructure or lack of it because I tell you something chess.com let us all down chess.com could have created an infrastructure that could have detected these issues suspended the clocks and the games of all the matches where these were happening and then they could have been restarted because we, they could have implemented a uh, time management system, simple time management system like Time Seal, which we know, which we know of. Time Seal, Time Stamp. There's many of them. Okay, there, there's many, many um, simple application services that just stay layered over the um, the website um, server um, for the chess um, that monitor these things and can give a fair result can tell you when someone's actually just delaying and not wanting to play or whether their um, their, their, their uh, system cannot reach um, the server um, and the server can't reach them these are very simple things for almost 30 years they've been in existence or even beyond systems that could be deployed and why chess.com chose not to do this speaks not only to um i would say the excuse they call a website the lack of investment into real things that help the wider chess family yes they've got pro chess league yes they do blitz championships for wealthy um chess players um what about the grassroots? What about the things that affect every player? What about upgrading your website so the players who, who pay the subscriptions that give you the money to share out to all those um, elite chess players actually have a better experience? A lot of them won't go to Lee Chess and experience how chess really should be played on the internet. A lot of them won't do that. Maybe the Chess Olympiad should have been hosted on, on Lee Chess. Maybe. But that's, that's a question for another podcast. Um, I just want to finish by thanking you for listening to this. And if there was any positive message to take out of this, this is that people are now speaking. Um, this is not about me and uh, the injustices done to me by chess.com, stealing my app, um, allegedly and uh, creating um, Puzzle Rush from my app, Chess Master Cube, or the injustice that was done to Timur Rajabov um, by taking him um, out of the candidates um, because he chose to uh, look after his health and the well-being of the people around him and his fellow participants. 
um, or any of the injustices done in the Olympiad, um, or indeed Charlie Story's story. This is not about that. This is about speaking out when you know that your truth is being challenged. Just speak out, please. Anyone listening to this, you think that someone's been done hard done by? You know, someone's being tricked, someone's lost out, and you have um, a perspective on that, and you choose not to say anything? Well, you're just as bad. Silence is violence, and violence is never good. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Chess Club Live podcast, and I look forward to hearing the sounds of Leeds and speaking to you again next time. Bye.